Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. It's a cruel irony that the warmest day of the year, and we've had it in a long time, falls on the day that pitchers and catchers are supposed to be starting spring training. But alas, we press on here on the Mass and All Access podcast. Welcome into the Mass and Web Studio. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you live. Hopefully you're tuning in on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page or YouTube channel. And if not, you're catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you find podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Lots to get into today. Thankfully, a very busy mm-hmm. and Nats newsworthy week we've had over the past, actually not even week, past couple days, because I think it was Tuesday morning I was starting to panic and we didn't have anything scheduled to talk about just yet. But the uh, baseball gods were nice to us to give us some news. But first off, Amy, good to see you. How are you? How was uh, your Super Bowl weekend? Super Bowl weekend was good. I think it was kind of anticlimactic for me. I watched the game at home on my couch, like didn't do anything crazy. Um, I obviously work early on Monday morning, mm-hmm. so it kind of makes it tough for me. I don't get to really indulge in all the celebrations. Um, so it was a little anticlimactic, but a good game nonetheless. Um, and an awesome halftime show. What did you do? Do anything exciting? Any parties? Yeah. So, I mean, that was like kind of my Super Bowl last year because of, you know, COVID. It's actually kind of crazy. I was thinking about it last year around this time was, well, yeah, the Super Bowl Sunday last year was when my fiance got her second vaccine shot. And so it's kind of crazy to think that that's when people started getting vaccines a year ago. And then now, so we watched at home by ourselves. So this was like the first time since then that we were able to go out and like have a Super Bowl party. So yeah, small, safe Super Bowl party. It was nice. I agree. Game was good. Uh, halftime show was amazing. Great halftime show. LA, of course, knows how to put on a show. But yeah, it was kind of felt good to be back to normal. Food was good where I was at. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's all I can ask for. I won a couple money on my prop bets. You know, a couple of prop bets instead of this. So no, not a bad Super Bowl Sunday. Turned yeah, out pretty well. Yeah, so it was a fun time. Um, well, back to baseball. Uh, like I said, lots to get into. Of course, we're going to be talking about Ryan Zimmerman and his retirement that he announced two days ago. Mr. National deciding to hang them up. We're going to dive deep. That's going to take the majority of our time here on the podcast. And if you're watching live, we hope that you comment with your favorite Zim memories throughout the course of the show, either on Facebook or YouTube. We'll try to read out some of our favorites that we see along the way. But Amy, first and foremost, we got to get into real quick because this came down yesterday and it was not nothing, but the more you think about it, it was kind of was nothing, but noteworthy nonetheless. Juan Soto reportedly turns down a 13-year, $350 million contract extension offer from the Nationals just prior to the shutdown back in late November, beginning of December, wherever the date not specific. Um, and that was first reported by ESPN Deportes and ESPN.com. Um, uh, Enrique Rojas and Jeff Passing with that coverage right now, and then also confirmed by our own Mark Zuckerman. Like I said, I mean, this is newsworthy in the sense that there at least was a conversation had in the start of this offseason between the two parties, but obviously with Soto turning it down and looking at the actual number of the contract. You know, it's it, I, in my mind, it's merely just a starting point. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of just like 
eh, you knew it was coming. I think the takeaway is that the, the good news is that the Nationals made a real legit offer. I'm glad they didn't go in and completely lowball him. I think that was a little bit of a concern, but 13-year, $350 million contract that he turned down there, that's a real legit offer and good that the Nationals are kind of starting those talks now um, and officially, you know, Soto and Boris announcing that they're waiting till free agency. So that's what kind of makes the news eh. Yeah. So, but it was a real legit offer. I hope this means that there's more to come and more talks to come, even though they're saying that they're waiting till after the 2024 season. Yeah, from the report by Enrique Rojas, Juan Soto, quote, they made me the offer a couple months ago before the lockout we have in baseball. But right now, me and my agents think the best option is to go year after year and wait for free agency. My agent, Scott Boris, is in control of that situation. So that pretty much confirms what we thought all along mm-hmm. that he was going to wait till uh, free agency. He's not a free agent until after the 2024 season. Remember, he's a super two player, so he still has three more years of arbitration left um, and control by the Nationals. And so, you know, it's kind of twofold. I agree that like, it's at least an offer. You and I talked about this a lot at the end of the season, um, discussing, you know, Juan Soto's MVP uh, resume, the season he just had, et cetera, and just how, you know, the Nationals need to at least they start engaging. Because right now they're the only ones who are allowed to do that, right? So you might as well take advantage of the next three years being the only team that can offer him a contract uh, right now because once free agency opens, there's going to be 30 teams, 29 exactly. other clubs that are going to be offering up their services for him. Um, so right now, take advantage of that. I, I mean, it's right now, I, like I said, at the very least, a starting point of where he should be at. You look at other major deals across Major League Baseball, Mike Trout, 12 years, $426 million. A thirty-five and a half million dollar average annual value. Mookie Betts, twelve years, three hundred sixty-five million, thirty point four million average annual value. Bryce Harper with the Phillies, twelve years, three hundred thirty million dollar deal, twenty-seven and a half million average annual. And then of course Max Scherzer, he's a pitcher. It's a shorter term, but the average annual value right here is kind of significant. Uh, three years, one hundred thirty million, a record forty-three point three million dollars per year of that deal. So you know. That's kind of where the Nationals are going to be looking at right now. And this is the floor now. We, we were wondering for a long time what was going to be the floor. Now We now have it at 13 years, 350. And it's going to get higher and higher day by day. And in more games, Juan Soto plays and, and just proves how great he is, the higher that floor is going to be. So the Nationals should take advantage of there being the only team that's able to uh, really negotiate with him right now. Yeah, exactly. They have to set the floor. They have to set that starting point. And I'm glad that they, they did it now. And that $350 million contract would slot in right at third of those biggest contracts. So not a low ball offer, a real legitimate contract. It's just a matter of they're going to go for the record-breaking deal. Yeah. They're going to get the most that they can. Um, and we'll just see if it's going to end up being the Nationals. But at least they're giving themselves a fair shot. And they had yeah. to start now to at least show that they are legitimately interested in a legit buyer in this deal. Yeah, I mean, once we get – I mean, and that's the thing, too, that right, the Nationals can keep making these offers – you know, they can make another one theoretically today or tomorrow, whenever it may be. I mean, right, actually not right now because of the lockout, but you know what I mean. Uh, once the spring training gets underway, you know, make another offer. Make another offer at the end of this season before next spring training. And you can do that for the next three years up until 2024 as the only team that can do so. It's almost, almost though like you're bidding against yourself because every time you do so, you're raising the floor, raising the floor, raising the floor. But then, you know, Juan Soto is then also producing or, you know, showing his worth by the production he puts up. So if he continues to have MVP caliber seasons for the next three years, I mean, 
that's going to be that. He's saying the floor by himself. Now, God forbid something happens to Juan and, and the Nationals say, you know, they came out with a $500 million offer tomorrow. I mean, and then the God forbid his actual value kind of goes down. Well, you already started at 500 million. So I'm not taking anything less than that. So that's kind of the only negative right now of being able to be the only player or excuse me, the team that can bid for the player. But you know, the Nationals should take advantage of that and hopefully we'll see or hear of more reports of more offers coming in over the next couple of years. Right, You do take a, a slight risk in waiting till free agency. You're betting on yourself with Juan Soto. You feel pretty comfortable doing that, but you never know. You never you know what could know. happen. So the next few years will be very interesting. It's kind of ironic that we're talking about this in 2022 and we're going to look back at Ryan Zimmerman's career yeah. and this is a guy who signed two contract extensions before yeah. the team ever had a winning season so right. it's kind of ironic and shows just how much the game has changed over the last two decades yeah um, I think we both agree that it was a, a reasonable offer for the Nats and then also reasonable for Juan Soto mm -hmm. to turn it down but if you want more coverage on Juan Soto's reported rejection of the Nationals contract extension before the lockout check out uh, Mark Zuckerman's piece on MassInSports.com from uh, Thursday morning uh, he has a good breakdown of what it means for both sides and what it means going forward as of course as this saga is going to continue for the next handful of years um, alright let's move on to the main event uh, Mr. National calling it a career after 17 years 16 seasons Ryan Zimmerman has decided to retire this this was one of the bigger question marks that we were discussing a lot during this offseason. Uh, he kind of left that door open to return this year. Uh, at the end of last year, you know, he said he feels like he could still play. It just depends on what his family thinks, if he still has that desire to play. Uh, he made a, his weekly radio appearance last fall, pretty much kind of saying, like, I can see myself playing again. So really left that door open for that. But, of course, if you're watching live right now, you can see the great ovation that he received on the last day of the regular season a very emotional day for him and his family you can see him holding back the tears <laughs> um he calls it a career what a career was he's gonna be mr national forever number 11 will never be worn by another national player ever again that number will be on the uh retired in, in national park at some point and i'm sure he will have a statue of his own coming up sometime outside the stadium as well so what a career for ryan zimmerman and can't be more happy for him and his family um as he embraces this new part of his life yeah exactly i think we both agreed after we saw that standing ovation the farewell davy martinez come out onto the field shake his hands it really felt like the end even yeah. though we were hearing from ryan that you know he would decide in december when he had to get spring training ready uh that he would make the decision then but that really felt like a buy and we agreed that if we had to do it all over again it would be a little bit weird looking back now we're glad that he listened to heather his wife and agreed <laughs> to have that that proper farewell because after 17 years with the nationals i think nats fans would have been it would have been i don't know like just not right to yeah. go out on at least some sort of true goodbye yeah and, and i think you and i also talked about like I don't think this would have played a factor in his decision to come back or not if he had decided to, but like it would have been weird if he did come back mm -hmm. after receiving this ovation. But I don't think that would have played a factor. You know, I don't think if you have that really strong burning desire um, to play that you can be like, oh, that'd be weird if I came back. Be like, no, I'm just going to come back and weird play. Weird stuff happens in yeah, baseball. Yeah, we'll do it again. <laughs> but it's actually kind of funny now seeing the this, the highlights of this, uh, this ovation that he got and them showing Heather and um, his children wearing his jersey. 
This would have been the one day I should have worn my Ryan Zimmerman jersey. I, I thought you were going I was, to. I cannot believe I forgot to wear that. I'm now sitting here wearing this red polo. So um, maybe when they actually throw up his statue and we do a podcast about the statue or whatever, his there jersey retirement, I'll, I'll, I'll rock that. So that was a missed opportunity um, by me. But looking at his career numbers, of course, 16 seasons. He did not play in 2020. Uh, 16 seasons over 20. Uh, no, sorry, 17 years, uh, almost 1,800 games, 1,799, an average of 277, 284 home runs, and 1,061 RBIs. Um, of course, he was a World Series champion, a two-time NL All-Star in 2009 and 2017, a two-time Silver Slugger Award winner in 2009 and 2010, a Gold Glove Award winner in 2009. What a year he had in 2009 mm -hmm. um, on a bad team. And then um, the National League Comeback Player of the Year and that renaissance, that Ryan-sance year that we kept saying in 2017 as voted on by his fellow peers. Um, he was also the Nationals Roberto Clemente Award nominee six times over his uh, 17 years here in D.C., and was given the good guy award by the local media twice since it was established in 2016. So one hell of a resume for Ryan Zerman. Mm -hmm. All, I mean, all done with one team too. That's just something you don't see in all professional sports. Nonetheless, just baseball, but anymore, you think of like Cal Ripken, of course, wasn't always an Oriole. Derek Jeter was always a Yankee. Ryan Zimmerman was always a national. There aren't that many guys like that anymore in baseball. The only ones that come to mind really are Buster Posey, who retired with the Giants, uh, Yadier Molina with the Cardinals, um, and I, I can't really think of anyone else. Maybe Miggy with the uh, uh, the Tigers, but it's just very rare that you see a high-profile player like that spend his entire career in one place for so long. Yeah, you don't see it anymore. Just like we were talking about the, with the Juan Soto contract. Yeah. And now it's, you know, the, the game has completely changed. So that's what really makes Ryan Zimmerman's career so spectacular. And he said, you know, even from the jump before he ever got drafted by the Nationals, you know, he looked up to, to guys like Cal Ripken, Derek Jeter. He wanted to be that type of player that played his whole career in one spot. And he was able to do that. And, you know, it, over 16 seasons, that's why he finished as the franchise leader in games, hits, home runs, doubles. RBIs, run scores, total bases. Um, he was able to do a whole lot over this 16 16 year career in one place, and that's what makes his career so special. I mean, he was also the club's first ever draft pick after the move from Montreal to Washington. Uh, fourth overall in the 2005 draft, of course, out of the University of Virginia, who grew up in North Carolina. So a local East Coast kid through and through, and you know he was. The prodigal son. I mean, he mm -hmm. was the one that, you know, I, I wrote on massinsports.com that, you know, when you bring a new team to a new city, the biggest challenge is embracing that new fan base. And what for a younger generation as myself and you are, we did not know baseball in D.C. for the first half of our life. You know, I was 12 years old when they announced the Nationals were coming. Um, so I was an Orioles fan and grew up, even though I grew up and went to high school downtown in D.C., I mean, and I, I was an Orioles fan, but D.C. sports, everything else, and now you have this new franchise, this new team. You need a face of that team. You draft Ryan Zimmerman fourth overall from a local school. He debuts just three months later, finishes the season, and then he that just kicks off his career. You literally can't, up until this point, you know, he technically started the season in 2020 with the team, but of course sat out, so let's throw that out of the way. But you can't point to a Nationals season in their history without mentioning Ryan Zimmerman. Mm -hmm. No, and that's why he's Mr. Mr. National. And I think what, why he was, you know, able to become that and be able to come become that so quick, like you mentioned, he debuted less than three months after he was drafted and there wasn't any disconnect for fans. You know, you, you, you try to get excited when 
you know, you think about Adley Rutschman and Orioles fans trying to get excited, but you don't see him for years. You right. don't get to see him debut for years. But Ryan Zimmerman, the Nationals' first ever draft pick, number four overall, but in 2005, and they saw him less than three months later. And then in 2006, he finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. Um, he, you know, he, he got right to the jump. There was no disconnect, and yeah. that's why he was able to attract this Nationals fan base and build it from the start and, and you need like i said i mean we know about the er, tough early years of the nationals between 2005 and let's say the first half of 2011 i mean they finished their first season at, at exactly 500 but then over the next six years they have two 100 lost seasons so you need a reason like i said embracing the fan base you need to re give them a reason to continue to come out to the ballpark to watch a bad team um knowing that there's hope for the future and ryan zimmerman was that guy i mean you went to old RFK Stadium to see Ryan Zimmerman knowing that they would probably lose the game. You went in, like every baseball fan, hopeful for that season because there was a guy like Ryan Zimmerman. And, you know, it's kind of kind of funny, too, that, you know, there's an even younger generation who only know Ryan Zimmerman as a winner, right? From 2012 right. on, um, you know, kids who are now, you know, just becoming like 20 years oldish, you know, 10 years younger than me. They probably only really remember Ryan Zimmerman from that moment on as a as a winner, and people forget that he was you know the best part of a very inexperienced bad team for so long, and he was an amazing third baseman. You know, a lot of people now will only remember him as a first mm -hmm. baseman, and those one weird year where he tried to play left field, but he was a incredible. That Gold Glove came at third base, um, and you know he was so flashy over in that hot corner, so fast, so athletic. Right. Had a crazy throwing motion that always happened, seemed to you know be perfect on the dot. So I mean, just an incredible moment, and the longevity of his career allows for that kind of split up between fans. Like you know, oh, I remember him as a winning and and being the first baseman of the World Series team. Well, I remember him when he was a rookie and playing right. third base and and showing off all his moves. Right, like I said, signed two contract extensions before the Nationals ever even had a winning season. And then really, when the Nationals started to turn the corner and winning, he was on the the downside of his career, which is you know kind of unbelievable. I mean, going back to his rookie year, forty seven double. 20 home runs, 110 RBIs, and he had a 17-game winning streak. That's the year he finished second in Rookie of the Year voting to Hanley Ramirez. He gave Nationals fans a reason to come to the ballpark. Um, you know, people compared him to Brooks Robinson at third base mm -hmm. when he was drafted. I mean, there were really high hopes, and for eight years, he was one of the best third basemen in the game. I mean, in his first, the first eight seasons of his career, he averaged 140 games, 33 doubles, 22 home runs, 83 RBIs, and an 827 OPS. Um, and then, of course, you know, 2012, he, you know, he had to start to have shoulder issues, ended up having surgery. By 2015, he moved permanently to first base, and that was kind of – he had two – 2017 where he kind of had that bounce back year but that is when his, he was on the downslope of his career and when the Nationals turned the corner so it's kind of you know crazy that there's a there's a whole generation of people who won't remember Ryan Zimmerman um at third base well there's like the whole there's like the, that's a good what if question I think Mark Zuck, uh, Zuckerman presented this in one of his articles honoring Zim over the past couple of days but like what if because the whole reason from the move from third to first is that Ryan had shoulder problems and he couldn't mm -hmm. make that throw anymore. What if he doesn't have shoulder problems and can finish his career as a third baseman? I mean, he was, like you said, 
one of the best third basemen in the league for quite a while, and then the team started getting good. You know, what if he was the cornerstone cornerstone third baseman for a, another decade on a winning team and then an eventual World Series team? Are we talking about a potential Hall of Fame career for Ryan Zimmerman? I don't think... I mean, not to be a, to be down on a day we're celebrating him, but, you know, for a tough question, I don't think the numbers as it stands right now lead Ryan Zimmerman to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, you just kind of wonder what if, maybe because of the move to third base, I mean, excuse me, to first base and all the injuries and stuff, but, you know, what if he had been healthy and been a third baseman his entire career and that trajectory he had of putting up those numbers might have led him to something, a really even more special career, not that his career wasn't already special. Right. I mean, I think the numbers would have looked completely different had he not missed over 100 games in 2014, Mm -hmm. you know, over 60 games in 2015. That completely shifted his career, but what if I mean and of course looking back Ryan Zimmerman even said he wouldn't have changed a thing um, and it worked out for the Nationals I mean he would have had the story of his career would have been completely different you know he was just you know he 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 did his job and he did his job the right way and that's what kind of made him the type of player that he is his story would have been completely different had he been you know, the star third baseman for his entire career. Not that the Nationals wouldn't have liked to see that. Right. Um, but his career would have gone a lot differently. But, you know, looking back, you never know. What if? Yeah, another important aspect of his career, too, is the clutch factor, right? I mean, let's we'll talk about the walk-offs in a second. But even in the postseason, you mentioned that 2014 season. I don't believe he played in the postseason that year because of the injuries. He might have been on the roster the late. I don't really remember quite uh, exactly what, what went down that year. But, you know... He hit safely in 10 of 16 postseason games in his career for the Nationals. Of course, he homered in game four of the NLDS, um, a three-run shot off of Pedro Baez against the Dodgers in 2019. He hit the first World Series home run in Nationals history in game one, off of Garrett Cole, nonetheless. And that really got the Nationals, because it looked like they weren't going to score that night. And that finally got the Nationals offense Mm -hmm. rolling a little bit uh, on their way to a game one victory. And, of course, the championship. He hit 274, seven doubles, five homers, 17 RBIs, and 10 walks and 10 runs scored in 35 postseason games um uh that first that i said of 10 of 16 postseason games that was 2019 by himself uh so you know a very the clutch moments you know the best players step up to the plate ryan zimmerman was that clutch guy and then of course we can also talk about the walk-offs as well right i mean there's something to be to be said about that that clutch gene that you can't really quantify i mean you see it in basketball especially and you see it in baseball more and more where it's like the rise of these these star players and you're looking at the numbers and and it's all there and that's all well and good and exciting but there's something to be said about a the longevity of a career especially all with one team and then being clutch you know being that guy that's in the right place at the right time does his job and you know you can count on even you know, yeah, we'll talk about the walk-offs, but I always think back to that when he pitch hit in the wild card game. Yep. You know, he got the job done, and there's something to be said about that. He doesn't have Hall of Fame numbers, but he did his job when when the Nationals called on him. Since we're, if you're watching live, we're showing the highlights of his uh, of Ryan Zimmerman's um, uh, 11 walk-off home runs, tied for third most in Major League history. Uh, it's hilarious. I mean. Speaking about longevity, if you're watching, like, look, the aspect ratio of some of these shots aren't even to what we use now. Like, there, it's a, you're in a you're in a square almost, and you got the black bars on the side. That's how long his career has been. Um, but yeah, there is something to be said about just that that 
that clutch gene. I mean, I mean, he was never called Captain Clutch, but he was, you know, just that kind of guy that you always expected. And you talk about that wild card game. I know Mark brought this up. I saw a lot of people on Twitter bring this up. I bring this up a lot about the 2019, not Ryan Zimmerman's career specifically, but just the 2019 run that that run does not happen without mm-hmm. that hit from Ryan Zimmerman. That bloop single into actually, I think he ended up on second base that on that hit um, into center field off Josh Hader. I, broken bat. Broken bat. That the Juan Soto bases clearing double does not happen without no. Ryan Zimmerman hitting that hit. And that does not get talked enough about when referring to the Nationals 2019 World Series run because it's over on the first night if Ryan Zimmerman doesn't get that hit right there. I mean, it was just that's kind of one of those moments too where you knew it was meant to be the longstanding veteran, Mr. National, you know, not a home run, but just a bloop single that landed in the middle of the infield that allowed the 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 inning to continue and of course the Nationals went on to win the game, win the World Series. Right, exactly. Didn't even start that game. Two outs in the eighth inning. They called on Ryan Zimmerman um, and he started that rally in the Nationals. I mean you have to win the wild card game to right. get to the World Series. Um, and then he just kept it up with little moments here and there. Game four of the NLDS when he hit that three-run home run. It just, you know, the diving catch. It was just little moments here catch. and there yeah. that you're like, okay, this it's it's storybook, you know. Yeah. And I think my favorite moments, you know, of course, his, his walk-off home run in the first game in Nats Park. And there's most of his walk-offs of those 11 walk-offs happened in the first half of his career when the Nationals weren't winning. And it didn't necessarily matter a whole lot, but it gave Nationals fans a reason to watch every night. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what makes it so exciting. That's what, I mean, he carried the team on his back some nights, yeah. you know. Um, and that's what made him clutch. But... I think my favorite moments yeah, are into that. Go ahead. in the in the postseason because it seemed like his whole career kind of came to this point and yeah. he was still able to, to step up and that was just awesome to see. Do you have any other favorite moments of just in general of Zimmerman's career? Like what stand out to you? And please comment along if you're watching. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Peggy on Facebook saying he'll she'll miss Ryan Zimmerman and his smile, infectious smile, quiet dude, but always happy dude. Um, I was hoping he would come back in some kind of coaching position. We'll get to what the future holds for uh, Ryan Zimmerman and the national soon but other favorite moments of throughout his career 2019 when he got his thousands rbi okay that was that was an exciting day because he i think he missed like over 50 games earlier in the in the 2019 season um and he was kind of stuck on 999 for a while was able to get that that's only the 10th active player to do that the only player of those to do it all with one team um so that was kind of exciting to see just for him for his own accolades Mm -hmm. um um, and then I think game one of the World Series, that home run, I mean, that started kind of the feeling for the rest of the World Series. Um, but to be able to do that on the road at Houston to start start a spark there, um, that was just incredible. And to be there to see it, it was awesome. Uh, when he, he This most recent one is when he uh, passed Tim Raines for the most runs scored this past year. I mean, not a big hoopla, but just another one of those franchise records that he overtook. Um, and, and, you know, those are going to stand the test of time for a long time. You know, maybe Juan Soto contract extension excluded. But, um, you know, I, I was just, just thinking about, like, because a lot of them aren't postseason specific, but I was just thinking, what player from that 2019 roster, aside from Zimmerman, has like a standout moment in each round of the playoffs. Maybe Max Scherzer, but like the the blue pit in the wild card game, uh, the diving catch 
to no the the home the game four home run mm-hmm. uh, against the Dodgers, the diving catch to preserve a no hitter in, in NLCS. And then the game one home run in the World Series. I mean, Juan Soto had a great wild card game, great NLDS, but he was pretty quiet in the NLCS. And then, of course, had a great World Series. I mean, I just can't. Maybe Max Scherzer, but even Max Scherzer had a rough go in the wild card game. So I don't even know if I would count that. I can't think of off the top of my head any player that had a big special moment like Ryan Zimmerman did in each round of that, that playoff round. And of course it was Ryan Zimmerman, right? right. Like, of course it was him to have such special moments. And it had to be him. Yeah. I mean, that's just awesome. And to be, I mean, even just back in this past season, I mean, he was still productive. And right. to see that, because so many players, they they push the envelope. You know, yeah. the, it, the game kind of pushes them out. And you hate to see what was a great career kind of end on a down, night, down note. And I'm really happy to see Ryan Zimmerman go out on a high note and for him to not have any season that was really like, okay, buddy, like you need to, to hang it up. <laughs> yeah. um, other ones. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we talked Howie about Kendrick. What did Howie Kendrick do in the wild card though? True. Again, True. It's, it's hard. It's like, yeah. it's like a small thing. It doesn't really matter. You'll know, you won't see that on a plaque anywhere or like on a resume or you, but, but it's just like a small thing that came to my mind. Like I can't think of another player that had a special moment in, in each. each round, including the wild card game. I mean, Howie Kendrick had a great postseason, NLCS MVP, the Grand Slam in uh, Game Five, and then of course the home run in uh, Game Seven. But he was out of, yeah, he was pretty right. quiet in the wild card game. I mean, I mean, there are small moments for sure. I mean, like we said, it was just a bloop single turn into double um, and, and a diving catch. But like you think about the guy and that postseason run, those images clutch. immediately clutch, but also immediately <laughs> pop into your head. Yeah. Obviously the home runs stand out more so, but like you always think right. like how many times have we seen Ryan Zimmerman on that diving, you know, completely parallel to the ground against the Cardinals at Bush stadium. And then you and I disagree that like we, we don't talk enough about the bloop, but everyone knows what we're talking about when you mention mm-hmm. it, because without that, there is no postseason run. So it's just kind of a thing that came to mind. We talked about the, the walkoffs briefly, but like, of course, we have to mention the walk-off home run opening night at Nationals Park back in 2008. I was a sophomore in high school when that happened. Um, just a very surreal moment. Like, like you know, they say Hollywood, uh, Hollywood, Hollywood storybook ending. Like, you cannot write a script better than that than Ryan's. I mean, walk-off home run, cool enough, but the fact that it was Ryan Zimmerman right. just made that all the more special. Brand new Paul Park, nationally televised. Uh, game. I saw somewhere that that it might still be ESPN's highly most highly rated watched opening night game in their history of broadcasting MLB baseball games. So that's pretty special moment too for Ryan Zimmerman to have that kind of ending mm-hmm. uh, against the Braves. Yeah, eleven walk off home runs. There's only eleven guys in MLB history to to get eleven walk off home runs or more. All of them are Hall of Famers, yep. <laughs> except for Ryan Zimmerman. So he's up there with the best of them. Yeah. You know, we're talking about how his numbers aren't necessarily Hall of Fame worthy, but they aren't. But that that clutch gene, if there's one yeah. way you can kind of quantify it or like assign it to a number, it's a walk-off home run. Yeah. Um, and he's up there with the best of them. I'm not saying that these uh, qualify him as a Hall of Famer, but if you're trying to make an argument – I would start with the walk-off home oh, runs yeah. and the longevity of with one mm-hmm. team. I mean, also a, a, a new team, you know, a new franchise. He is the first, he would be like the first true national into the Hall of Fame because, I mean, obviously Max Scherzer is going to be the first one in with the Curly W hat, but 
you know, how had a career before and now after the nationals, Ryan Zimmerman start to finish a national mm-hmm. that would, they're again, not, they're not actual qualifiers, but that would be my argument if you're trying to make one. But of course we know he'll be we're, number 11 will be retired here in DC. Um, I hope there's a statue of him. He deserves it. Whether it's him diving, it's probably going to be him swinging or maybe even the, the arm raise or throwing up the hat, yeah. something like that. Um, it, it's just, he's just a very special generational talent. Uh, and, and, you know, baseball in DC would not be the same. You kind of alluded to this earlier. It just might not be the same without him. No. Um, and, and it's almost going to be weird to think about it as we move on that the Nationals are going to have a, a history and a future without Ryan Zimmerman right. at this point. I think one of my favorite quotes, there's been so many awesome like tweets and just memories, you know, sharing about Ryan Zimmerman, but this was in a Washington post write up. And it's a quote from Jim Ringelman, who was the nationals manager in 2009 to 2011. Um, And he said, Ryan had this one quality about him that Tony Gwynn had. I only managed Tony for two years and Ryan for two years, but with both of them, they never made mistakes. They never tried to take the extra base when they shouldn't have. They never didn't take the extra base when they should have. They're in the right place at the wrong time. And he's like, I can't remember a time after a game saying, why in the hell did he do that? And I think that just kind of sums up his career. You know, he did his job and he did it well. Um, And, I you think know, it's not necessarily wasn't the flashiest guy, maybe when he played right. third base a little bit more at the beginning of his career, but he did his job. Yeah, I, I think that kind of I think Davey Martinez almost echoed that sentiment in his statement uh, about Ryan Zimmerman. I think he said he was like he was a fierce competitor, but also a calming presence when we needed it most. Um, you know, that kind of you know, he was always just calm. I mean, you, you do mm-hmm. that by being a level headed player and understanding and being very cerebral and knowing the game. Here's Davey Martinez's full quote. It was truly an honor to manage and share a clubhouse with Ryan Zimmerman. Like many around Major League Baseball, I had a lot of respect for Ryan from watching the way he played and competed as an opponent. It wasn't until I came to Washington that I learned of his true impact on this organization, the fans, and the community. He was a fierce competitor, but also a calming presence when we needed it most. Ryan's numbers and accomplishments speak for themselves, but the way he led by example and and was respected not only in our clubhouse, but around the game, that is what I will remember most about his career. Not only was he a player I enjoyed managing, but he's also become a great friend. Congrats, Ryan. I wish you, Heather, and the kids nothing but the best. And that kind of also ties back to a, a point I wanted to make a little earlier about Ryan, watching the the highlight of his ovation from the last day of the season. We talked about this too earlier in our, in our past podcast, but just it's not the ovation from, if you're watching, watch the Red Sox dugout. It's not just the fans mm-hmm. at Nationals Park. It's not just his teammates, his manager, his family, himself. The whole entire Red Sox dugout comes out and applauds him, gives him a standing ovation. Ryan Zimmerman plays the Red Sox once every three years. You know, they have series against each other. So it just, you know, it's just shows goes to show how respected he was around the game um, for what he did here in Washington uh, it, it's really incredible that you, you just see like the love and respect that other players have had. Um, we know that, you know, as he's grown up, he, he's formed relationships with other players, specifically like Freddie Freeman with the Braves. Um, of course, guys in Philly and New York, cause you play them so often, but you know, you have an American league East team that you don't play every season, still acknowledging his accomplishment as a longtime national. I think that's pretty special. Right. I mean, you have to respect it. 17 years with the same team who's you were their first draft pick. I mean, you don't see it. And he might be one of the last players that we see this long of a career with, with 
the, all the same team. You just don't see it anymore. Um, so it is remarkable, even if the numbers aren't crazy outstanding. He did his job. He did it well. And for 17 years, that's pretty incredible. Uh, Luigi on YouTube corrected me. Miggy Cabrera started as a Marlin. That's correct. So he did not. Uh, he's not a lifetime Tiger. Uh, but then Luigi also commented his favorite Zim moment: walk off Grand Slam at home against the Phillies. August 19th, 2011. So a long time ago, uh, over 12 years ago at this point. So, I mean, just an incredible memory. And you have so many of the walk-offs, small moments like that. And here's another thing, too. Like someone mentioned uh, on Facebook, they're going to miss his smile. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of something that I alluded to in my article on MassSports.com, too. Is like how many handshakes, high fives, autographs did he sign that, you know, as a young player, did he change young fans from Orioles fans to Nationals fans to non-baseball fans into baseball fans to not sports fans, but into Ryan Zimmerman fans? You know, you just fell in love with the guy, if not the player. Right. Barbara commented his personal reputation and demeanor were as important as his on-field record. And, yeah. you know, I've seen... I mean, I watched I, from Hagerstown. I watched Bryce Herp, Harper turn away from young fans so many times, so many times, you know, to sign autographs and stuff like that. Whereas players like Ryan Zimmerman are the ones that are always there, you know, turn around and do that. And there's something to be said. I mean, that's how you build a reputation. That's how you build a fan base. Um, and to be, you know, a good guy, his work off the field, and he still is going to work for the Nationals yeah. for a few more years. That is part of his contract. What that will look like, we're not really sure. But, you know, he was just a good guy. You know, you, you could count on him to talk in the clubhouse after a game, you know. Yeah. He just stepped up when you needed him to. And a lot of that came with maturity, maturity and, you know, he was with this organization forever. Uh, he was the guy that you could count on. But, He's just a good guy, too, yeah, yeah. you know? Bob Carpenter did put it well on, on Twitter as well. In a look at me world, Ryan did it the right way, his way, um, which I think, you know, he didn't do it because it was right. He just did it because that's who he is. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just, like I said, quiet demeanor off the field, very flashy on it, when he was, especially when he was younger playing third base. But, you know, as the leader of this team, when he had to speak up, he spoke up. And uh, I think that you can show, you can see that throughout the course of the younger players, throughout the course of the years, how they matured under his leadership. They all kind of looked to him, the way he played the game, the way he carried himself. Um, that was all pretty special. If we can, can we pull up Ryan's quote from his own press uh, release and or his announcement? Um, Although my baseball, this part, uh, although my baseball career has come to an end, my family and I will continue to be heavily involved in the DMV community. You have given so much to us over the past 17 years. It is now time for us to get back to you. We look forward to continuing many of our community programs and starting new ones in the future. Our kids will be raised here as this is now our home and we couldn't be more excited. So this is not goodbye, but more of a see you around. I like how he didn't steal mm -hmm. Bob Carpenter's line right there. He kind of modified it to see you around. Um, yeah, so Zim's going to still be around. Um, I think there's even a part of his contract, one of those last extensions that he signed, that he's going to be at least around for another five years in some capacity with the organization, whether that's like an alumni ambassador, um, fan ambassador. Obviously, they're going to do a lot of more work in the community with the Zim's Foundation that him and Heather have established. So he's not going anywhere, which is a good thing. And, um, I, I, you know, it is it is kind of like sad. You asked me before we went on air, are, was I sad to see him go? Yeah, I'm sad to see him retire, but I know he's not going anywhere. So he'll still be around. I'm sure he'll stop by the Masson booth and, and talk with Dan or Bob uh, for a little bit whenever he has the time. You might see him down at a spring training game here and there. Um, but it's not like he's going to be 
gone forever or, or, you know, moving across the country. He'll still be in the area. You'll see him, still see him around town. And that's kind of gives you, it's not as heavy, uh, full of sadness knowing that he's retiring. Yeah. I think what makes the difference for me is that he was able to go out on his terms. Yes. He was able to have that farewell. Um, and it's not like, you know, he opted out of the 2020 season and then we never got to see Ryan Zimmerman again. I'm glad he came back for 2021. And it almost feels kind of like a, you know, a, a turnover and, you know, the Nationals new era. I mean, they're, they're starting a rebuild. Hopefully it's quick. You know, Ryan Zimmerman has been the guy for 17 years. He was there when they, you know, first built it up. They won their first World Series. Um, and now they're kind of starting over again. And it's Ryan Zimmerman <laughs> retires. You know, it kind of just feels like a, a new leaf. We're starting on a new leaf. You mentioned him doing uh, doing it his own way. And I, I kind of want to touch on that too, just real quick, because I was mm -hmm. thinking about it, like, I love that Zim was able to announce and retire on his own terms, unlike Tom Brady. And you think about the Tom Brady retirement, how much of a fiasco that was, all the reports that he was upset behind the scenes, that it was broken, the news was broken without him. I think Zim and the Washington Post, specifically Barry Saruga and Jesse Doherty, did a very good job of allowing Zim to be the one to announce mm -hmm. it via his agency, CAA, and then they have it followed up with a story. Like, no one jumped the gun. Ryan deserved that, and Ryan deserved to have his moment and be the one to say, I'm done. Thank you all. Here's what's next. Um, and then you can go and check out the coverage yeah. on, on the Washington Post or at MadisonSports.com. So I thought that was really neat and special and done the right way. Kudos to everyone involved both on Ryan's side, CAA side, and, and the mm -hmm. Washington Post side for having, giving him that at, at the very least. Um, and, and he deserved that. So I thought that was special. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. That, that was good to see. Um, that makes it not as sad. Still bittersweet, but that yeah. makes it, it not as sad and just a class act through and through. So to see him go out like that on his own terms, be able to announce it himself, especially when we're, you know, dealing with a lockout, it kind of gives you something, you know, a place for us to turn our heads and, you know, get baseball news, but good news. I guess, to I a saw, certain extent. Yeah, some people uh, were tweeting at me yesterday and being like, you know, now I'm crying all over again and stuff. Well, hope they're happy tears, you know. They, like mm -hmm. like Ryan said, see you around. It's not goodbye. It'll see you around. Um, before we move on to what the future for the Nationals look like, do you have a favorite Zimmerman nickname? Hey, I, going through it, I've real, I've, you kind of forget how lot. many nicknames yeah. he has. I guess Mr. National. Most fitting. Basic, yeah. It is the most fitting and sums up you know, all of his attributes in one name, I guess. Yeah. What's your favorite? Mr. Nat I, mean, I think it's between Mr. National and Mr. Walkoff. Zim is like, I guess that's a nickname, but that's just like a shorting of the name. Yeah. Like, it's not really like, like, I mean, Zim was also Jordan Zimmerman when he was here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, someone was saying Z-Man. I don't really... For a nickname, it's kind of a mouthful, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, it's not as like smooth or catchy. Uh, Mr. Nat it just embodies everything, right? Mr. National just kind of embodies mm -hmm. the entire work that Zim did here in DC. So yeah, Mr. National, but Mr. Walkoff is pretty cool. I mean, there's, I think there is technically some of the people that are called like Jim Thome, you know, has 11 walk-off home runs. So he might be Mr. Walkoff, but here in DC it's, it's Ryan Zimmerman. That's a pretty cool and specific, yeah. you know, it's very specific to one aspect of the game, but Mr. National fully encompasses everything that Ryan meant to the organization. Okay. Well, Final question before we get out of here, you know, again, thank you so much to everyone for their comments and sharing their own thoughts and memories of Ryan Zimmerman. But, you know, there is still going to be baseball to be played at some point this year. And the Nationals are going to have to do that without Ryan Zimmerman. Now they need a backup first baseman. Where does that come from? 
Um, and uh, you know who's going to be the backup first baseman at, at behind Josh Bell? There are a couple of options out there right now. Uh, we have to take Ryan Zimmerman off that list, of course, because of the retirement. But, you know, you're looking at the top guys on the list. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo, Brad Miller. Those guys are probably looking to be starters elsewhere. Look at lower down the line. I added Todd Frazier because he kind of fits that same Ryan Zimmerman mold where he's a little older, a little more experienced, but he did not play very much in the major leagues last year. And when he was optioned or sent down to AAA, he opted out, played an independent league to get ready for the Olympics. So he's essentially been out of major league baseball for a year. Uh, but here are all the top free agents of uh, at first base. Uh, once the new CBA is established and the nationals need to go find out uh, a backup first baseman. I say screw it. Just go after Freddie Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine going from Freddie Freeman or from Ryan Zerman to Freddie Freeman. Yeah, and with Josh let, Bell as the backup. Don't let there be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, they'll, they'll definitely go. Well, the thing is, is, and we talked about it before we went on this podcast is they also have to think, I mean, now they're universal DH. You need another yeah. bat. I mean, you're not just thinking about a, a backup first baseman now too. You also have to have somebody who's, who's going to DH every night. Yeah. So that kind of throws a little wrench into things and kind of adds an extra need. Um, They'll sign somebody cheap, somebody on their back end of their career, yeah. I think. Um, I would think so, too. Yeah. And then you also, you know, I think the Nationals, their hope is that Josh Bell has a really good first half and you're able to deal him at the deadline. And then what do you do? Yeah. Um, because then you're going to need a, a starting first baseman and a backup. So. Well, we talked about this, I think, a couple of times over the la last month or so. But, you know, you've got um, – we know that Riley Adams were – I don't think can play first base. I don't think he ever actually played an inning at first base, but we know he was at least taking grounders during and I don't BP know that at the they end of the want season. To, and I don't think so either. To do that. No, I don't think so either. Because they have a two you have a pretty good young tandem at the behind the play between him and Caber right. Ruiz. Why break that up so soon if you don't have to? Um for a, what we're looking at is a fill in. Yeah, you, know, you would rather him be a catcher than a first baseman. Right. A backup first baseman. In an emergency situation, sure. Mm -hmm. Um you have possibly Mike Ford returning on a minor league deal. He has experience in the major leagues at first base. Uh, I, I would expect him to sign a, a more veteran guy. Yeah. Josh Bell is going to be your guy. You're, I mean, it'd be fun to go get Freddie Freeman. I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> though. But Totally. Um, or, or Anthony Rizzo. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's also Colin Moran is out there. He's only 29. He played uh, a, had an okay season with the Pirates last year. Um, he's a little bit on the younger side, so if you go and sign him, maybe he's the guy that steps in if Josh Bell mm -hmm. is traded at the deadline and can be your full-time starter for the rest of the year into next year if it's a multi-year yeah. deal type thing. I only throw that name out because he is younger. Mm -hmm. Daniel Volderback is also 29. Ronald Guzman is 27. So there are younger <laughs> options, but I would just expect them to go maybe a veteran guy that won't command as much money. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know you have Josh Bell to start at first base, which is – is good. Uh, Mike Ford does give you a good option if he's back on a minor league deal. Also 29. Right. You have maybe Drew Mendoza can come up and move through the ranks pretty quick. Talked he's, about him you last know, week. Yeah, we talked about him last week, moved to first base. Um, so, so you have some options, but they also have to have a DH. So yeah, I think they'll go sign somebody cheap, a little bit older, but you mentioned some good names, some good possibilities. And we didn't really reference, before we get out of here, reference the DH being a factor I thought would be a play into him, Zimmerman, coming back one more year. I mean, if he could just be the standard DH, backup first mm -hmm. baseman when Josh Bell needs a breather, but just wasn't the case, you know, he just decided to call it quits and everything. But that would have been the one factor that we know is probably is going to take effect this year 
for him to, to say, all right, I'll give it one more Especially go. knowing he was still considering coming yeah. back and, you know, the whole offseason, he was going to make his decision, and then you get that news. Maybe he had already made his decision. Yeah. And in his head, he was like, whether there's universal DH or not, you know, I'm, I'm going to call it quits. But, you know, he, him and Heather just welcomed their fourth child. They've got a lot of young kids running around that house. Now they're doubled up, severely yeah. outnumbered, the parents are in the Zimmerman household. Can you household. imagine? Yeah, he leaves her spring training. All yeah. right, Heather, yeah. good luck. Yeah, good luck. Four with kids the four running kids. around, a baby, yeah. like two and babies, I, I really. Think, both their yeah, boys I'm are Yeah, I'm pretty sure two babies. of them are in school, too. So you got struggling yeah. school, out, other activities. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure Heather's not too DH, upset to see luck. him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go DH. Right, I'm just going to go swing a bat for 162 games, um, and then I'll see you in October. Um, all right, well. I think that was a very fitting and great tribute for Ryan Zimmerman. Congratulations to Ryan mm -hmm. and the entire Zimmerman family. And thank you. Thank you so much for everything yeah. you did to this franchise and the city and this fan base. Um, you've established baseball. Uh, like we said, we can't imagine the Nationals without you. And, and your legacy is the Nationals' legacy. And you helped establish that from the moment you got here. So we really appreciate everything that you've given to this team and this city. Um, and enjoy your retirement in the next phase. And we'll see you around, like you said. So hope to see you at the ballpark soon. Big thanks to Brendan Mortensen for producing the show behind the scenes. You can follow us at Bobby underscore Blanco for myself, at Amy Jennings News on Twitter. And of course, you can follow the Mass and All Access podcast wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Also hit like on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel so you can watch us live every week. Whether or not there is actually spring training going on, we will be here discussing all things Nationals and baseball. Thank you so much for tuning in. Congrats again to Zimmerman, and we'll talk to you later.